on Wednesday evening, I was working in the backyard when all of a sudden I discovered that my four-year-old had launched his styrofoam glider up on the roof. But it did not really gain my attention until a moment later I noticed that he had extracted a four-foot ladder out of the garage and had placed his right foot on rung number one. And I quickly threw down my tools and ran over to the young lad and engaged in a conversation with William where I think he learned about at least three things. First, we talked a bit about the tyranny of the law. Not in those words, mind you. I explained to him that he was four, and this was a four-foot ladder, and four plus four was not going to get him on the roof. Uh, no matter how hard he tried, he was not going to save his toy. It is impossible. The tyranny of certain laws made this not a reality. The Anglican theologian John Stott, in his masterwork, The Cross of Christ, says that one of the great problems we face in this world, the tyranny of the law. For you see, the presence of sin in our world has created distance between God and ourselves. And friends, it doesn't matter how many ladders we put together. It doesn't matter how hard we seek to climb as human beings on our own merits, on our own efforts, all the work we can put into it, we will never climb high enough to remedy the challenges of sin, the tyranny of the law. Second, I explained to uh, my four-year-old a bit about the tyranny of death. I explained to him the dangers that he might break an arm, a leg, or perhaps fall to his own death, and this would not be a good thing. And in fact, I told him that he should not ever get near that ladder again without his father's supervision. The tyranny of death. We are fragile human beings. John Stott also uh, speaks in his book about this tyranny. The reality that we all face. It's what we've been praying about these past few moments. We are frail human beings. We are subject to the reality of death. One of the big challenges. Finally, I talked to my son about the tyranny of the flesh, that is selfishness, that is the uh, insistence upon doing it yourself. In fact, he was protesting the entire time throughout the conversation, Daddy, myself, 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 he said. I said, William, no, not yourself. Daddy will help you. And John Stott talks about this great tyranny that we face. That sin has separated us as community. In fact, at the very root of our fallenness is a desire to do it all on our own. God, we don't need you and we don't need anybody else. We worship ourselves. And then I climbed that four-foot ladder with pole in hand and extracted the toy that William might play with his glider once again. And it is this weekend, isn't it? that we celebrate our sweet Jesus who climbed up on that cross to deal with the most pressing problems that we face as human beings. 
And on the third day, his resurrection, and he becomes a conqueror. So a few minutes this morning, I wish to reflect on both cross and resurrection. What is the meaning of it all? And in fact, how is it that we can participate and experience living boldly in the way of the cross, in the way of Jesus' resurrection? I think the Apostle John puts it effectively in 1 John chapter 3. He writes, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, he writes, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. John says the glory of the cross and of the resurrection of Jesus is all about a God who loves us. But we experience this. We bring it to life. We know it. Not merely by verbalizing certain theological creeds from the front at church. But rather we discover the glory of what Jesus did as we serve one another in the way that he served us. So how about the cross this morning? What about those big three problems that Stott proclaims to us? First, the tyranny of the law. We read in many places in the Bible uh, things like this, Romans 8, therefore there is now no condemnation. The effective work of Jesus on the cross, who gives himself up as a sacrifice for our sins. Grace, my friends. The gap has been destroyed between us and God. We now have free access to God. We are saved not by works, not by ladders of our own invention, but by the graceful work of Jesus Christ. There is no longer condemnation. There is no longer a need for any of us to think that we must become perfect or that we must create a perfect church or become a perfect generation. That is not how we are saved, but by the graceful sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and his resurrection. And so John says we are to participate in this graceful activity, triumphing over the tyranny of the law, I read recently about a local church congregation in a major North American city who has a unique ministry that I kind of like. Apparently, they go about town and they find parking meters that have expired with cars in those lots, and they plug the meters with coins. Grace, they defeat the law on the behalf of people in their community fantastic. I heard this week about someone who was celebrating the fact that the person in front of them at the Starbucks line had paid for all the beverages in the car behind. They were celebrating a price paid free of charge. I read this recently. I hope you can see it. This note was left. You do not know me, but I saw that you needed some tires for your truck. 
And I wanted to do something nice for a stranger because one day a stranger did the same for me. The receipt is in the envelope, and all you have to do is go by Warehouse Tire on 3rd Street and ask for Stephen Hodges, and they will put them on for free. All I ask is that one day you do something nice for a complete stranger. The price paid. Or how about this, our own Rogers Avenue School? I was in a meeting just a few days ago and learned of historic amounts of money given by the generosity of this congregation, paying the school bills for families and students who could not afford a Christian education. You see, we do not merely celebrate the fact that cross and resurrection give us eternal life free of charge. John says we are to participate in this very activity ourselves. We spread this sort of love, and in doing so, we come to know this grace, this great sacrifice of Christ in rich measure. Triumph over this great tyranny of the law. Second, how about the tyranny of death? We read in many places in the scriptures words like these, 1 Corinthians, death has been swallowed up in victory. The achievement of Jesus on the cross and the power of his resurrection from the dead mean that we can pray as we have done this morning with confidence about a great resurrection in the future. On this weekend, we tell the story of Jesus who lived, died, rested, and was raised. And so we can with confidence know that until his second coming, we live, we die, we rest, and then we are raised. Jesus has triumphed over death. And so John would say that we ought to participate in activities that are life-giving one to another. Perhaps you've heard of the pastor Lee Jung-rak, who lives in the city of Seoul, Korea. He and his family noticed that there were many babies left out to die, unwanted little human beings. And so they got an idea, and they put a hole in the side of their house and built this safety deposit box. A sign you can leave your babies here. Many children placed in this box, one by a mother who included this note, my baby, mom is so sorry. I am so sorry to make this decision. My son, I hope you get to meet great parents and I am very, very sorry. I don't deserve to say a word. Sorry, sorry, I love you, my son. Mom loves you more than anything else. I leave you here because I don't know who your father is. I used to think about something bad, but I guess this box is safer for you. That's why I decided to leave you here. My son, please forgive me. A safety deposit box, a kind of resurrection saving the lives of little ones. Sometime this weekend, you should go on the website of the Carnegie Hero Fund Commission. 
This is where people are honored, men and women who have given their lives. Sometimes they survive, sometimes badly damaged, sometimes they literally sacrifice themselves. Saving other human beings from certain death. Story after story of a kind of resurrection. But there's even simple things we can do to give life. I hope you like some of these pictures as much as I do. Here's a college student becoming a human bench for a lady who just needs to sit down in the elevator. <laughs> this next picture, a biker who decides that someone needs help walking across the street. This next one, I think, is moving two co-workers at lunch. One who cannot read illiterate, but the one who can read reading to his friend. Or this one, giving water to someone who cannot take care for themselves. Or a final picture of a surgeon upon successful completion of a 23-hour heart surgery. What does it look like for you, for me, to give life? To invest ourselves day by day, saving life, extending life, giving life, because we are people of the resurrection. Finally, there's the tyranny of the flesh, selfishness. You see, it's not merely that we get saved and that we are now united with God by grace. It is not simply that in the future we have the promise of a good resurrection. But people of the cross, those of us that are nourished by the story of the resurrection, seek to change things now. And so we fight our fleshy impulses, the selfishness that keeps us separated, that destroys community. I read recently about a survey of Americans, and uh, this particular survey asked the question, what words do you most wish to hear? Number one, not surprising, I love you. Second place, I forgive you. But number three, supper's ready. <laughs> oh, a great human desire to be in community, at fellowship, to be at one with one another. Not long ago, I was uh, noticing uh, something that the John Bon Jovi Soul Foundation, yes, I'm referring to the rock and roll phenomenon, John Bon Jovi. He has an amazing foundation that does good in the world, and one of their ministries, the creation of the Soul Kitchen Community Restaurant. I love their tagline, hope is delicious. 
On the menu it reads, Our vision here at Soul Kitchen is to serve healthy, delicious, and when possible, organic meals. At Soul Kitchen you will notice there are no prices on the menu, and you might have been seated with someone you don't know. Customers pay the minimum donation or volunteer in some way to earn a dining certificate for a meal. And here are some of the pictures of a table and the restaurant at one of their locations. But I want to read to you word for word their manifesto which appears on each menu. I think it's powerful. First, all are welcome at the table. At the soul kitchen, a place is ready for you if you are hungry or if you hunger to make a difference in your community. For we believe that a healthy meal can feed the soul. Second, happy are the hands that feed. Those who volunteer are guided by Soul Kitchen staff through their tasks. Volunteering at Soul Kitchen can lead to qualifying for job training. Three, where there is love, there is plenty. As you will see, our menu has no prices. You select what you like and make the minimum donation. If you can afford to donate more, you're helping to feed your neighbor. If you are unable to donate, an hour of volunteering pays for your meal. Good company whets the appetite. At Soul Kitchen, neighbors from across the street or across town, new friends, families, those in need of help and those with help to offer, come together and share a good meal and the warmth of good company. Friendship is our daily special. Introduce yourself to the person seated beside you or across the table. Stay a while and stay informed of all the ways Soul Kitchen is dedicated to eliminating hunger, building relationships, and celebrating community. And the final piece of their manifesto, end the meal with a slice of happiness. At Soul Kitchen, the main ingredient is love with a large helping of you. Our chefs prepare our healthy, delicious meals with the freshest ingredients, some grown in our own organic garden. At the Soul Kitchen, all are treated with cheerfulness, kindness, and respect. Supper's ready. Oh, how we love the idea of being in community. We know all too well in the year 2015, on this weekend in which we celebrate the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, and the power of his resurrection. That we live in a time when we are fighting with one another about laws in Indiana and nuclear agreements with Iran and ISIS and Islam and income disparity and where we are making investments in this world. One eye after the next after the next, after the next. And we are screaming at one another, myself, 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 myself. And community is getting shattered. It seems to me that people of the resurrection are in the business of new creation, fresh community, peacemakers, for we follow in the way of Jesus. The cross, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, filled up with power for us today.
my friends, the tyranny of the law has been defeated. The tyranny of death has been defeated. And the tyranny of flesh, of selfishness, by the power of His Spirit working through us, can be defeated, not only in the future in an earth made new, but in the earth now that we are seeking to make new day after day after day. And so on this Sabbath, this high day, we celebrate together. We come forward to celebrate bread and cup communion in which we receive the grace and the goodness and the power of Jesus Christ through his body and through his blood. But in order to honor the text, what the Apostle John has in mind, that we simply do not uh, receive what Jesus has done, but we participate in his powerful way as well, we're going to add to this sacrament. Now, if you are a member of this church, you know that we usually finish the worship service on a communion Sabbath by giving to our benevolent fund at the back doors, which benefits members of our church who are in need. But today we're going to do a, a something a little bit different, and I want to invite you, if you will, every single human being in the room, to pick up a card with this cross on it. It should be at the end of every pew. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, to take one of these cards in hand. One of the important soul kitchens of this community is Sunbridge. This is a place that our church invests in where we care for those who need something to eat, something to drink, something to wear, a debt removed in life. And your pastors, the pastoral team of this congregation, thought it would be powerful and appropriate if on this resurrection weekend we not only symbolically came forward to receive the grace of Jesus, but we came forward and passed on the grace of Jesus in our community. And so, if your heart is so stirred today, you can bring this card forward. Perhaps you want to write a number on it that would indicate a particular investment that you would make. But we are going to bring these cards forward, put them in the receptacles that are provided, and during this week, and in fact next Sabbath, there'll be a way to honor the promise that we have made today. And so we'll make a pledge, if you, if you wish to do so, a promise of an investment, caring for the poor in this community, receiving the grace of Jesus, and giving the grace of Jesus. And so as a church, we will come forward, receive the bread and the cup, and give, and pass along grace to those who need it most. Let's participate together. 